Hello, and welcome to Mind Body Green's Clean Beauty School. I am your host and beauty director, Alexandra Engler. Today, we are getting gussied up, finding our best lighting, grabbing our vanity mirror, and shuffling through our makeup bags. Because today, we are talking about makeup. Listen, I am the first to say that makeup has lived in this strange limbo for the past few years. Some people clung to it as a means of control. Others decided to pare back their routines. I consider myself somewhere in the middle. I don't wear a ton of makeup, but I am certainly not above applying a CC cream and a concealer when I am having a rosacea flare-up or I see bags under my eyes. And I always toss on a bit of blush and brows before leaving the house. But doing a full eye makeup look or even a lip is just something I haven't truly done in a long, long time. But when I think back to being a kid, I loved makeup. I loved playing with my mom's makeup. I loved playing with makeup at all my friends' houses. You know, as I grew up, I gave my friends makeup for their birthdays and I would make little booklets of makeup tutorials that I would craft by cutting out magazine articles and tutorials and how-tos from publications like Allure and InStyle, and I would include it as part of the gift. In college, I would always do my friend's makeup in our dorms before going out. And once I moved to New York City, I would always do my roommate's makeup before we went out. Now today, I really don't consider myself a huge makeup person. I don't wear a ton of it, and I write about it even less. Shout out to Jamie Schneider on our team who basically does all of our makeup content nowadays. If you have read about makeup on our site at Mind Body Green, I guarantee she wrote it. I probably have a few makeup articles that snuck in there, but she does the lion's share. But you know, when I go back and I think about all my memories that revolve around makeup, I can't help but be reminded that it is so, so fun. And when I look at the makeup that I have at my house, it's so, so pretty to look at. And I do have to say, today's episode is so fun. I had on makeup artist Alexandria Gilio. She is a global makeup artist and wellness influencer and founder of the Zenden, which is a spa in upstate New York. She works with countless brands and has done international campaigns. She's recently started to work with MBG on some projects, including this year podcast, and she is an absolute joy to chat with. So Alex, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat today. I have heard such wonderful things about you, and I have recently started following your work on social media, and I know that we just have so much common, so I feel like this is going to be such a fun conversation, and I'm also just really excited about today's topic and getting into some makeup tips and glam. It has been a while since we've had a makeup episode, Mm. and I think the time is ripe for it. And I personally have started getting back into makeup too. So I think that I am ready for, you know, some tips and see what see what's on the horizon that I've probably been missing out on. So honey, (laughs) it's time to get back into it. So I can't wait for this conversation. But before we get into all that fun and good and lush makeup advice, I want to hear a little bit more about your story. And I'm sure our listeners want to hear about your story. 
how did you get into makeup? How did you get into beauty? And, you know, what what was the draw there? So I absolutely hated school when I was younger. I don't know what it is, but sitting in a classroom would literally give me so much anxiety. I always grew up like having to question things, like wanted to explore, wanted to be outside, like, and sitting in a classroom was just not for me. So it probably comes to no surprise that I was kicked out of high school. After that, my parents were like, okay, well, you have to go to college because you are not going to live under our roof with no education. So I was like, fine. So I go to college for two days, same situation. I'm like, I literally can't do this. So I left college and I think I got away with lying to them about it for maybe two weeks until they found out when every like the teachers called them and was like, your daughter hasn't been coming. Um, so I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and they were like, again, if you're living under our roof, like you have to go to work then. Like if you if school's not for you, fine. But then you have to work. So then I had to come to a decision of what fills me up, what I want to do. And I mean, I was young, you know, most of my friends were in school still. So I sat down with my journal and I wrote down everything that I enjoyed and something that all kind of had in common was making people feel beautiful, making people feel good, experimenting with art and painting. And I was like, you know what? Let me try doing makeup. I've always enjoyed makeup and it seemed so fun and it seemed like I could meet people and it wasn't going to the same place and sitting down at a desk nine to five every day. And I was like, wait, this is literally for me because I get to meet so many people. I'll get to play with colors. I'll get to like make people feel good, meet people. And it's going to be in a different location, hopefully every day. So I jumped straight into it. I found someone to assist. I live a little bit upstate in the Hudson Valley. So I went and commuted to New York City every single day. I was working for like basically no money and I was doing everything I can to gain experience and to learn and to touch as many faces as possible and just to start networking and really building up my portfolio. And then it's just never stopped. I I love when people just find their passion and it just clicks instantly and they just, they know exactly that okay, this is the path for me. I want to ask, how did you get into kind of the clean and natural and, you know, wellness hybrid space? Because I do feel like that's where you kind of live in. And I don't think that there's, you know, like when you become a makeup artist, I don't think that there's anybody who's like, oh, well, if you want to become a standard mainstream makeup artist, go here. And if you want to become a clean beauty makeup artist, go here, right? Like there's no clear path. Totally. So I remember thinking when I was younger, first starting off, I was like, dang, I don't know if I'm going to be super successful because the makeup that I enjoy doing is so natural. And at that time, that I don't want to say it didn't exist because there were makeup artists like Bobby Brown, who I looked up to where she had more of like a softer makeup look. And I mean, I feel like Bobby Brown is such an icon. I love her so much. She she really is. And like when I was growing up, like she's definitely someone that I looked up to because there wasn't that many makeup artists that were just doing like really soft looks. So I remember getting like nervous when I would book these big campaigns for like magazines or whatever it was. And I was like, dang, like I have a softer makeup look. Is that okay? And 
I mean, everyone always seemed to love it. And then I figured out that I became so skin focused. I really love creating a radiant, dewy, plump, hydrated look. And I was like, whatever I can do to like make this person look alive and awake and refreshed and like have her just glowing, like that is what drew, like drove me. I think that's so inspiring to hear that like you just had this aesthetic and you were like, no, this is the aesthetic I'm sticking to. And this is who I am. This is a part of my brand. You know, it's a part of my identity. And I just, I love working with the skin. And that was like what I had so much fun with was again, making these girls feel so beautiful in their own skin. So I kind of like would develop like, like I would learn from all these different artists and then make it into my own. And I mean, that's how I started to book a lot of these clean beauty campaigns and started working with a lot of skincare companies or, you know, makeup companies that were known to be more natural. And I feel like from there, it kind of just led into the wellness scene too, because it goes hand in hand, you know, beauty and wellness are so interconnected. And in the wellness world, I mean, I feel that it's a it's a very more natural looks than like heavy glam, you know, which, which is fun, too. We love that, too. But we'll see for that sure. for some of for it. sure. <laughs> so, you know, that it kind of folds into my next question, which is what is your wellness journey? I feel that anybody who kind of finds themselves to be somebody who who either considers himself to live in the well-being space or works in it in some capacity they have a a journey that kind of led them to it. And whether it be a series of events or one, one, you know, instigating event, like I just find people's journeys into this space so fascinating. Do you have, do you have something that you can share? Absolutely. So I would say my wellness journey started once I really was traveling to New York City, I want to say five to seven days a week working. I was like, dang, I really need to take care of myself because I have an almost two hour commute each way. And there was like a situation where I almost fell asleep driving once because I wasn't prioritizing my sleep. And then I would get to set and there would be like bagels or pizza. And, you know, I'm like, oh, God. So it's the only thing I had access to was all these like heavy, greasy, processed foods. So I would eat that. And then in the middle of the day, I'd feel bloated. I'd feel tired. And, you know, I had like some autoimmune things like psoriasis. So I noticed that those all started to get worse. And I was like, there's no way I can produce my best work if I'm not taking care of myself properly. So from there, I started to add in little daily habits. And I started really slow because I knew if I started to add in all the things that it would just be overload for me. So I was like, all right, first things first, let's focus on sleep. Sleep is number one. So I made it a priority to take the TV out of my bedroom, take electronics out of my room. I got the blackout curtains. I made sure the temperature was a little bit lower so it wasn't super warm when I was sleeping. And I aimed to get seven to eight hours of sleep every night. So after I had that like kind of down packed for two months, then I'd be like, okay, guess what? I'm not eating gluten anymore. I notice that every time I eat gluten, I'm not feeling my best self. I'm feeling really bloated. I'm feeling like groggy, a little brain fog. So for me, eliminating gluten was 
a huge factor. So then once I got that down, then I was like, okay, let me add in a little bit of movement. If I wake up, you know, 15 minutes earlier, then I can even just do like a quick 15 minute walk or go on the bike for 15 minutes, whatever that is, even if it's just stretching. So getting that like circulation pumping and just moving my body. So I started to implement all these little these little hacks into my routine. And before I knew it, everyone was like, wow, you seem so like more energized or like, you know, it it, sh- it showed through my work that I was starting to take care of myself a lot more. Then in 2015, my father, who I was super close with, he unexpectedly passed away. And thank you. It was obviously very traumatic. It was, you know, not, he wasn't sick. He He had like a massive stroke. And I could not understand for the life of me. I was like, I don't get it. Like, he was healthy. Like, you know, I, you know, average American, like, guy. And and I started to dig in really deep after that because I wanted to understand why that happened. And when I started to dig deep into that, I was like, oh, like, there's a lot of shit in our foods. There's a lot of, you know... I I dove deep into like water, air quality, like heavy metals, toxins, all the different buckets. And what I started to learn, I was so fascinated by. And it really helped me like dig more, even deeper into the wellness world. And then I started to understand, okay, maybe my dad was not the healthiest. So what can I do now to prevent that from happening to me? Or what can I do to help me live as healthy as I can? And, you know, I think it's, they say, it's like 70% of your lifestyle and 30% of genetics. So this 70-30 stat is something you hear often and the origins are rooted in science, don't worry. Much of it comes from twin studies or community case studies and they routinely show that the most important factors that influence longevity are smoking, diet, and exercise. And that genetics really only accounts for about 20 to 30% of aging. I'm linking to an article published in the Scientific American about it, so if you want to read more about the details of longevity research and where it's at today, please check it out. We have actually been doing a lot of longevity work on the site lately, including the recent trend of democratizing longevity and bringing these heady concepts to the masses, which we wrote about in our annual 2022 Wellness Trends feature. I am linking to it in the show notes as well, so go ahead and check it out if you want to read more. So I was like, okay, how can I shift my lifestyle to be even more clean and be even more healthier? And, you know, I I invested in the Berkey water filter And I got air purifiers for my home and I started to eliminate anything that had fragrance in it. I switched all of my candles to essential oil diffusers. I tried to eat as organic as I can. I am not big into sweets anymore. And like, of course, I will indulge every now and then. Like we all have to and we're all human. But I think just for me personally, being aware of all these little things has overall helped my mind, my body, my soul, everything. And also developing like meditation practices. And it's been, it's so funny because it's also like aligned so much with my work as well, because the more 
that I got into all of these daily habits and rituals of this whole wellness world, I started to get calls from other wellness companies and, you know, founders of wellness companies. And I was like, wow, like, I feel like I'm manifesting the world I want to be in. And now it's showing in my work. And now I'm working with my ideal clients. And we have so many similarities. And it's amazing. It's, it's really, it's really opened up my world. Sure. I mean, when you create space for something, it, it it truly always still surprises me how how the things that you want come and fill that space. And, you know, it's not it's not a guarantee like things happen and, you know, life is unexpected at many points in times. But totally. really when you create space, it, it's amazing what fills that space. Like I'm, I'm still always so surprised and inspired by it. And I think your story speaks to that. Yeah. You know, and y- you can look at it in like a few different ways, you know, and I think for me, I chose to not be a victim, not make this my story. I was like, how can I be a, have a survivor mentality and thriver? So I'm like surviving and thriving. Like, that's what I want to do. And I want to make other people feel as beautiful as they can, whether it's wellness or beauty. Yeah. So what is your beauty philosophy? So I would say less is definitely more. And I also think that skin is always in. I think taking care of your skin and taking care of your inner health really is a great representation of your outer skin and your outer health. So I like to say that I'm more of like skincare focused and less is always more. I think that kind of folds pretty well into my next question, just because I do think for so long the the makeup part of the beauty industry was so much about using all of these quote unquote like mainstream products and I just feel like the clean and natural makeup space hadn't really evolved quite yet or it perhaps just didn't have the amount of products that it does now and as somebody like yourself who has worked in in this space for quite some time you know how have you seen it change and how have you seen it grow in the last few years has it surprised you have Did you see it coming? I'm just curious about your perspective on that. So I, since I've always loved having like a natural, like, sorry, let's redo that. Um, Since I always loved clean beauty and clean beauty looks, I'm so happy that now you'll see a lot more campaigns with like real girls, real skin. Not that these other people weren't real, but it's more relatable to the average everyday girl. and. It's amazing. And, you know, I remember again, like I when I first started, like it was a lot of heavy, heavy look. Think like Kim Kardashian, like 2005. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, yeah. those are looks. <laughs> yeah, totally. So now like it's so cool to see how it's shifted. And even like when someone's creating like a bold look, like it's nice to see that like you can still have like a glowing radiant and hydrated like face and still add a little glitz or glam to the eye and have it look amazing on so many different people. And it's interesting because for so many different people, like clean and natural can mean so many different things. There's just not one definition for it in the dictionary. 
So like for me, when it comes to my skincare products, something that's clean is a product that doesn't, that is not formulated with fragrance or perfume or harsh alcohols. And when I'm talking about clean beauty makeup, I'm talking about like actual, like clean, I don't want to say clean skin because I don't want people to think I'm saying like other skin can be dirty, but it's just like a very natural enhanced look opposed to very heavy. Totally. And I do think like to your point, like sometimes when we talk about natural makeup, you know, you do have to be specific. Like, are you talking about the natural ingredients or are you just talking about the natural aesthetic? And, you know, obviously those things can go hand in hand, but I think that distinction kind of always trips up a lot of people. And like, when you are talking about natural and clean ingredients within makeup, you know, have you seen those products, you know, change and evolve? Like, I feel like every time I I hear about a new launch, I just like I'm so impressed about the 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 forward steps that we're taking in quality and stuff like that. Like, do you see that as well? Absolutely. And I think it's great now that brands are awakening to ingredients in their formulas where I feel like, you know, years ago, I don't think a lot of people really paid attention to that. And now people have become more conscious of what they're putting on their skin and what ingredients are in their products that they're wearing all the time. So I think it's really cool to see that brands are just being more aware and conscious of their formulas and, you know, avoiding really harsh ingredients. Yeah. You know, this this brings me to a question that I'm just curious about in general because I personally don't even know where I fully fall on this spectrum or how I even would answer this question, but like I I'm somebody who defaults to using very clean products, right? Like sure. my skincare is very clean. I when I when I wear makeup, I you know, it's very clean formulas, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm also somebody who is not like I I also have like a few Chanel lipsticks that I that I own and I just I really do love and I know they're not the cleanest formulas, but they're beautiful and I don't know, they make me feel very fancy when I wear them. And so on on occasion I'll throw them on. Like, do you have a hard line that you draw for yourself or do you have wiggle room that you kind of like allow for for brands that certainly do not fall under the clean umbrella? Absolutely. I give myself a lot of wiggle room because, again, I'm a makeup artist and there's so many different brands that I love and there's some yeah. things that just work better than others. So I think for myself, for like the everyday if I am going to wear makeup, like I'll stick to like a lighter, cleaner formula. But then like you said, to your point, like there is like a nice Chanel lip color where, you know, maybe the ingredients aren't so clean, but like we got to live a little too. If we're so strict with everything, I don't believe in restriction to the point where it's like obsessive. And I think anything on that end of the spectrum, like you, you got to live a little bit and just put on the lipstick that's going to make you happy. Totally. And it's also like, that's how we view most things in our lives, right? Like, Nobody's working out all the time and no one is eating organic all the time. So why do I expect myself to only use 
products that have organic ingredients or have, you know, whatever. It's like, no, sometimes I do really want to wear that Chanel red. Totally. totally. And I think it's great to be conscious and aware, but there is a fine line between like obsession, you know? So it's like everything needs balance. Like, yes, I try to eat as clean and organic as I can every day, but I love the spicy rigatoni at Carbone. I'm going to eat it. <laughs> You know, like I'm not going to say no to their garlic bread. It's so good. Like you have to have that kind of balance and not be hard on yourself. Don't feel guilty because we are human and we have to have those little joys in life too. For sure. So this is something that I I occasionally ask people on this podcast just because it is you know, it's something that's on my mind. And I think it's something that's on a lot of our minds is how we took care of ourselves over the past two years, you know, and during the pandemic. And I want to ask, how did how did you care for yourself? So I spent a lot of time refocusing my energy on my self-care practices for sure and definitely taking the time to slow down. But I I wanted to help the community to also find ways to implement self-care and boosting their immunity all while feeling good, which again, kind of ties into like where I started in the makeup world to begin with. But during the pandemic, makeup was not happening at all. No one was getting their makeup done. So it gave me a lot of downtime and I ended up opening up a space located in Beacon in the Hudson Valley and I opened up a space called my Zen Den. And basically it was a space for, it is a space for people to come in and just have those moments of Zen. And we put an infrared sauna in there, red light therapy in there. And we have a little meditation nook and we host like sound baths and sound healings. And again, I believe that beauty and wellness are so interconnected. So I feel like opening that now allows the community to take care of themselves from the inside out. And when they are doing that, like they notice a difference, like, wow, my skin's improving. Like not only like does my joints feel better, or my gut feels better, but like I'm glowing and I'm radiating. So that was a really fun project to work on. And I mean, it's been, it's been great. Well, I'll have to come up and visit. <laughs> I love being in. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll see you there. So I want to move on to kind of the core of the episode. I, I wanted to bring you on to talk about holiday glam and just makeup in general and what trends you're seeing, because obviously you are somebody who is so immersed in the industry and I'm so excited to learn from you. Like I said, I am, I'm starting to have fun with makeup again after a very long break that was a little bit quarantine induced and a little bit oh. of just laziness induced. But, you know, I, I'm, Makeup is fun. And I, I grew up loving makeup and I think I just kind of like lost a little bit of its magic. So I'm excited to chat about it and get back into it with you. I want to ask you, what what trends are you seeing right now? Are there any trends that have kind of like stuck out to you? Absolutely. So right now I'm seeing so much of that fox eye. I don't know if you've seen it on TikTok or Instagram, but I feel like this like specific fox eye look has become so popular and I, I love it. I think it is very complimentary to eyes, but basically it's taking like a really thin upper liner and just lining the top lid and bringing out a little bit of a wing and then almost putting your mascara on not forward and upward, but more to a slant outward. 
And then just like some individual lashes on the corners and the, the outer ends of your eyes. So I think the fox eye trend, I've been seeing that a lot and I love it. I'm here for it. And I've also been seeing so many bold colors on the eyes. Oh, um, fun. Yeah. Like I was asked recently about like what I thought with Rihanna's bold, like red eye. And I think if you're going to do a color as bold as red, you need to be a little careful. Like you want to make sure that you got enough sleep. So, <laughs> so you're not looking like Dracula. But, you know, something with like a really bold color like that, I think, you know, maybe use some eye drops to awaken and whiten your eyes. And maybe I really like Tarte has a liner called Fake Awake, which is just a nude liner to open your eyes. So I think when you're working with bold colors, you want to make sure that you know, you have like concealer on the inner corners of your eyes and just make sure that you you're really focusing on your skin prep first and then going in with a bold eye. That's been super fun. And then. Yeah. So oh, let's ahead. pause and talk a little bit about just like eye prep in general and eye tips in general, since, you know, both of these are kind of eye centric. What do you do when you are working with a client or on yourself to kind of get that eye area ready and then and then to like go in and craft the look. Okay, so I am obsessed with skin prep, which I feel like I've said a hundred times. When I'm working with either my eyes or a client's eyes, I will do a little bit of lymphatic drainage around the eye. I will do an eye massage. I'll use like a serum and then go in with like a really hydrating eye cream formula. And I love ice rolling. I feel like ice rolling is such an easy tip that will instantly just awaken anyone's eyes because, you know, it's lowering inflammation. It's getting rid of any kind of puffiness. So ice rolling and even a little bit of gua sha or jade rolling will work wonders because, again, it's just helping getting that circulation moving in that area and it's helping to de-puff and de-bloat your eye area. So, I mean, I really do this on the whole face, but specifically around eyes, if I'm doing it like a fun eye look, I love a lash curler. I feel that as soon as you use an, an eyelash curler, it's like lifting your lashes to the heavens above. So I think that's instantly awakening your eyes. And I don't use eye drops every day, but if I am going to do and I look, then I will definitely use like a little, like one or two drops of Lumify for me or my client. And sometimes false, like individual lashes are a lot of fun. I prefer to cut the lashes in half, which I know some people are like, what? But I like to apply the lash from like the middle of my eye to like the outer corner and then just put mascara on the rest and then curl them to like really blend them great. So it looks so natural. Oh, and concealer. I never put concealer under my whole entire eye because I feel that concealer, when it's like under the outer corner of your eye area, like underneath, like you really can see all of those fine lines. And I want to look as young as possible. <laughs> and I want my clients to like not feel like you can see any of like their crow's feet. So I only do concealer in the inner corner. That's where darkness hides. So if you just put like 
a dot in the inner corner and then blend it with like one of those tiny beauty blenders or just like a little brush or even like your ring finger and just bring it a little bit upwards in the inner corner and a little bit downwards. But I never put it all the way underneath. I just feel like it's too cakey and we don't need that. It's funny you say that because some of the best traffic that we've ever gotten on our site has has to do with under eye creasing with makeup. So clearly this is a problem for a lot of people. Yeah. And to be honest, I just don't think that we need it under there. Like I think, yes, in their inner corners, absolutely. That's where darkness hides. Like, you know, you want to fill in that area, but like in that, like where your crow's feet are, like that area, I don't think we need concealer. Like maybe a tinted moisturizer is fine. And then just like really blending it good with your products you have on your skin. But when it's too heavy, you can see it immediately and it's going to age you. Yeah, for sure. I love that, that like using a tinted moisturizer in the area, if you feel that you need it, otherwise just like stick to that. I think that's a great, great tip. And that's why Uh, like you have something there. So it's like, you know, you have something, but it's not super thick. Like concealers are thick. Yeah, like by by design, that's it. Totally, totally. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about some eye looks that people can can look forward to, and you know, they can try as trends. I I want to ask: Are you seeing anything that's happening with the lips? I know the lips has been so tricky for the past two years because of masks, but you know, like I do think a lip moment is still so fun. And I feel like I've been struggling with this because of the lip situation or the mask situation. And I'm also just like, because I've been so out of makeup trends, I like don't even know what's what's fun anymore. And like what good colors are out there? Like, I feel like I used to be on top of this stuff, but. (laughs) So I love a creamy lipstick. Me personally, I'm so over like the matte lipsticks. I feel like with the matte lipsticks, Again, this is just for me personally. Some people may disagree, Um, but I feel like they're so drying. And like after an hour of wearing them, like I know that they last long, but they can seem like you can see like the cracks in your lips and like you can see like where you applied it. There's like that line. So I personally much prefer for myself and my clients more of like a hydrating, creamy lip lipstick or lip gloss i'm seeing a lot of nice nude colors oh okay so i actually wanted to chat with you about this because i even though like i said i'm not updated on the trends of late i do feel like i'm seeing this again it's like a resurgence yes and i again i'm here for it i love like a creamy nude lip especially if you're gonna go heavier with your eyes And I always like to line my lips or my client's lips with almost like a really light brown or whatever their skin color is, but like just a few shades darker. So you can see that they're wearing lip liner, but like it's fun to even like overline their lips a little bit just to give them like that nice like pout look and then like finish with like a really nice hydrating formula with a nude color. I love that. I think it looks so beautiful and it complements every skin tone. I think that's great advice. I also feel like nude sometimes people like they have a hard time figuring out what else to do on their face when they're wearing a nude lip, right? Because like it's I don't know, like I personally I feel like I have that struggle. It's like what else do I do when I have that nude lip? It should I be like blush. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. I feel like just like adding a nice flush of color to your cheeks. And I mean, even sometimes I'll use like, I really love cloud paint from Glossier. Sure. Yeah. Um, I like cloud paint. Wander Beauty has like a really nice like dual beauty stick and it has a highlighter on one side and a blush stick on the other side. I like working with creams for blush. I agree. I am like such a cream gal all around. I feel like all of my makeup all comes in like little creamy pots and I just use my little fingers and apply it all over me. Totally. Like Ilya has a really great yes. view and they're just so easy to apply. I feel like it, you can be a beginner with makeup and you literally will just take like a little bit on your finger. You can't mess it up and just like apply it to the apples of your cheeks, bring it up a little bit. And then sometimes I'll wipe like whatever I have left on my finger or beauty blender. I'll just wipe it onto my eye just for like a little hint of a color. But yeah, I feel like if you're doing a nude lip, like you can't go wrong with like a little bronzy glow or a little blush, like some kind of flush in your cheeks. And it it's you can do it very natural too, where it looks like very radiant and plump, you know? Sure. While we're on the subject of blush, do you have any tips about like people finding a blush that works for them? I, I do feel like I do get a lot of questions about this about like finding your ideal blush and part of me is like well I don't know just wear blushes that you like and you know just have fun with it and experiment and try but another part of me is there are you know colors that are that are reflective and beautiful and like I better for some undertones or whatever it is do you have any thoughts on that like helping people find their their ideal blush Absolutely. So I feel like kind of to your point, what you were saying, like you have to do what works for you. Like there's technically no rules. There's no wrong or rights with makeup. It's for you and it's what makes you feel your best self. So I always tell people when choosing like a lip color or choosing a blush, you have to go with something that you love. However, I personally like love like a really like deep rosy color or coral for darker skin tones. And then I tend to go for more of like a mauve for lighter skin tones. But again, at the end of the day, it's what you like and what makes you feel good. So I want to talk a little bit about contouring just because, you know, contouring is a makeup artist tool that has been around forever, right? Like contouring is nothing mm -hmm. new. Like makeup artists have been contouring celebrities forever. But I do think that, you know, Instagram definitely brought it to the masses in like a very specific way. And I think, you know, you you hop on TikTok and you're still seeing all the the makeup girls on there showing off their their new contouring practices and I want to ask like is there is there a way that people should be contouring? Do you believe in the idea that people should be like the average person person should be contouring? I I have a little bit of mixed feelings on this just because there are days where I do like carve up my cheekbones a little bit. But then on the other hand, I'm sort of like, no one's taking my picture. I don't need to contour. <laughs> like, I'm not like, I don't know, like, I'm not on a movie set. Like, <laughs> okay. okay, so I definitely love a little contour. I mean, I know what yeah. you're saying where it's like, you know, you don't want to like completely change the shape of your face, you know, but a little contouring can't hurt anyone. And sure. For, so what I do is, and people get scared of this, but after you do it like three times, I swear like anyone can do this. But I like to get a darker colored foundation, like way darker, probably like 
three shades darker than my personal skin tone or whatever your skin tone is. And I create, so I take the liquid, I like using liquid and I will like put a little bit on my cheekbones, like maybe a little bit on the um, corners around my nose, like maybe a little uh, above my brows. And like, if I want to do like my jawline, so I'll just like dab the dark colors around my face. And I, this is after I applied like my tinted moisturizer or my foundation. And I use two different beauty blend, beauty blenders for this. And I make sure that both are damp. You don't want to use a dry sponge ever. So after that, I take the second beauty blender and I start to blend it all in. And I just like do that by just patting like up and down, literally like the term beat beating your face. Like you're yeah. literally like beating your face with the sponge. And then I go back to my original sponge that I put on my foundation or tinted moisturizer with, and then I will go over the whole face. So it does not look like a heavy, deep contour, but you still have those shadow effects and it looks like skin. Like you're not wearing powder on your face. Like it looks like fresh and dewy and it doesn't look like ashy or like sometimes there's like a... I don't know. I don't love all the powders. Now, if you're going to a vent and you want to set it, then definitely by all means, like take a bronzer and just like set it. Make sure there's no glitter in it because it's going to like deflect the light from it. So I but I love to do that. And it's so natural. And people are always like, wow, like you look good. Like what what did you do? And I'm like, oh, you know, just a little contour with a a little bit of (laughs) a foundation. But it's so natural. And again, like I know people were probably scared of doing it. But like after your third try, anyone can do it. Okay. Well, now I'm inspired. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now I need to do this. All right. Cool. So, you know, I, I feel like it's always good to just go back to basics, right? Like I feel like there's always, as somebody who's worked in the beauty industry for a while, I still feel like there are a lot of things that a makeup artist will tell me and be like, oh, this is Makeup 101. And I'm like, what? No one ever told me that, that I was supposed to be doing it that way. You know, so I feel like I am somebody who's always learning. So I can only imagine that the the average person who does not work in the beauty industry probably feels like they're always learning too. Do you have any tried and true, like, basic tips that you are just like, this is everybody needs to know this. Like, I can't believe people don't know this. Like, is there anything that's coming to mind? So it doesn't have to be complicated. I think that everyone should have fun. And sometimes it's less is more. Like there's times where you could have three products and like, that's it, you know, and just don't overcomplicate it. And I think that, you know, a good mascara will go a long way. Like that will immediately like open your eyes, brighten your eyes. Like we love a brow pencil, you know, something that's maybe like two shades darker than your hair. You don't want to go too dark. You don't want to go lighter. But, you know, like very soft additions that are just going to enhance you a little bit. So I think that's actually really good advice, especially in the age of TikTok, where it feels like everybody thinks that they need to have like these super like meticulous makeup steps and I'm somebody who literally like I said like I just have my little pots of makeup and I just like dab stuff on with my fingers and I think that's fine and absolutely and you can use things for other things like just because it says like this is a blush 
that doesn't mean that you can't use that same color, especially if it's like cream or gel, um, like on your cheeks, on your eyes, on your lips, like things can be multi-purpose. And it's funny too. This is where like good marketing comes in. But if you look at the formulas on a lot of different products, they're very similar. Like a cream blush could have a very similar formula to a cream lipstick. So, I mean, you can get creative with your stuff too, you know? I mean, don't put like bright red on your eyes, on your nose, on your cheeks, on your lips. Like you don't want to look yeah. like a clown. But, you know, I think just like getting creative what, with what you already have, sometimes it's just easy and it looks great. I love that advice. And that makes me feel better <laughs> about my my routine. So let's get into a little bit of what you do. I want to ask about your go-to makeup routine and what products you're obsessed with. And then I obviously have to ask about your skincare because you are such a like skin forward makeup artist. So that is coming, but let's start with makeup. Okay, so my makeup, I keep extremely simple. Uh, honestly, on like every day, I don't really wear makeup because I'm doing it on so many people. By the time I get home, I'm like, I don't need to do my own makeup. But if I'm like going out, then I will definitely, I mean, my go-to products is using a brow pencil and obviously mascara because that's immediately going to open up your eyes. I love using a lash curler before the mascara. And then I always reach for that blush. Like I go with the cloud paint or I go, I go with the Wander Beauty. I also, you know what else I really like? I like it cosmetic CC cream. Have you used that one? It's been a while, but I okay. do know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I also love Ilia. I think Ilia. I love Ilia. Yeah, I think it's a great brand. I think it's you know, it falls into that clean beauty space, but like their products work really good. I love, I love their mascara. I think that their mascara is, I'm not kidding you, the most recommended product on this podcast. Really? <laughs> Ever. I, whenever I ask people about their, what, what they're wearing for, for makeup or what their favorite products are, it always comes up. It's my, it's my personal favorite. So I, love I, it. I like that I've been using and it, like it just works. And I like that the brush, it's not like a thin dinky brush. Like it's mm -hmm. like a thicker brush. So I feel like it's helping to make my lashes hold that volume. And I love it. I really like Ilia. I do too. I think it's a great brand. So what do you use for your skincare? Oh boy. Okay. I'm obsessed with skincare. I love using the New Face microcurrent device. Mm, yes. That uh, again, it has been a while because I personally don't own one at the moment, but I, I've got, I've like gotten facials and I like used to, I don't know, go to their like press events or whatever. So I've definitely used it. I just don't have one at home. I think that this is a really great alternative to Botox. And I mean, that's a very bold statement. And again, some people may disagree on that. But basically, when you're using the microcurrent, it's like lifting and contouring and tightening your skin. And it's like working out the muscles underneath your face. So when you're consistently using it, I swear I see a difference so quickly. And it's just like kind of lifting and getting rid of like that puffiness. So I love using the microcurrent. And I also love the ice roller. I do ice rolling every single morning because if I wake up puffy or inflamed, as soon as I use the ice roller, which literally takes less than a minute, 
not only does it feel good, it feels like I'm alive and awake again, but it's lowering that inflammation going on. And it's also getting rid of any facial bloat or puffiness. So I love a face. I love the gua sha. Gua sha is my favorite. And again, I feel like it's another great alternative to Botox. And it's something that has long-term effects. So there hasn't been too many long-term studies done on wrinkle reduction and gua sha. And by long-term, I mean decades long-term. But we do know that regular facial massage does increase localized microcirculation and can give a lifted appearance and smoothing effect on the skin. Those studies were done over a few weeks, however, and we haven't done any prolonged studies that show the effects over 5, 10, 15, even 20 years. So that's not to say that there have been any studies to disprove its long-term effects either. It's simply that this research does not exist currently. Anecdotally, at least so many people that I have talked to who do practice these long terms swear by it. Now, of course, that anecdotal evidence comes with a huge heaping dose of confirmation bias. But in the end, if you want to get in the habit of it, I couldn't recommend it more. I do it every day. Like if you're if you're spending time like doing facial massage and facial manipulation and gua sha, like you're helping drain your face and you're you're doing lymphatic drainage to your face, right? So I always start off by like taking a, a couple deep breaths and like massaging like my chest area, like near your armpits. Like that's where there's a lot of lymph nodes and then moving up to like your collarbone and then your neck and then behind your ears where all you want to awaken all of your lymph nodes. And then once you do that, you just take like a really nice oil. And I know like Trilogy has a great oil. Drunk Elephant has a great oil. There's a lot of great oils on the market and you can even go to your local health food store and get like an organic grapeseed oil or rosehip seed oil. And just taking like a tiny bit of that oil, lathering it onto your face and just using the gua sha and it's a very light pressure. You don't want to like use it like very thick and like heavy because you're going to end up doing damage and like pull pull your skin but it should be like a feather lightweight like massage or like gliding and you always want to go towards like where your lymph nodes are to just drain your face so for me I feel like if I wake up in the morning and I am feeling puffy or bloated or congested then I will use the microcurrent I will use my ice roller and then I will do my gua sha and a little bit of face massage or manipulation. And I see such a difference. And I know it's real because when I step outside, everyone's like, wow, you look so good. What are you doing? And I'm like, oh, just, you know, a little gua sha. (laughs) I mean, I'm the biggest proponent of gua sha or facial massage. And it also is just something that like I tell people, no matter what your age is, just Start now, and I promise you, you are going to be so glad you did in 5, 10, 15, 20 years that you started this habit. It's like one of those lifelong habits that like you will not regret. Absolutely. And it's also like preventative skincare. So, you know, like I see a lot of girls like getting younger or these girls that are very young getting Mm -hmm. all these Botox and filler and you know, listen, to each their own. Again, I think whatever makes you feel good, then you have to do it. But like filler ages people. Like, 
And I, again, I see it because I've been in the makeup field now for so many years. So I see what it does over time. And I think it's something that you should save for a later date and really focus on preventative skincare by really working out the muscles in your face. And it's promoting circulation and it's helping like, you know, prevent those 11s on your forehead. Like there are so many ways um, to really focus on preventative skincare without getting expensive injections. Totally agree. The last thing that I wanted to ask you about, because I believe everything is skincare from what we eat to how we move our bodies to how we manage stress. That is all on some level skincare. So, you know, what are your must have wellness routines or habits that are just such an integral part of your life? So the first thing I do in the morning is I scrape my tongue with a tongue scraper and I want to get like all of the bacteria off my tongue. Once I do that, I drink a full liter of water and I'm drinking a full liter of water before I put anything else into my body. So after I drink my liter of water, like I'm instantly like hydrating and nourishing all my organs, including the skin, which is our largest organ. And then I'll go ahead and make myself a cup of green tea. I really like peak tea. They have like a really clean matcha, which I love. So I'll I'll make a cup of green tea with that brand. And this is might be odd to some, but I take a shot of extra virgin olive oil every single morning. Oh, whoa. And I'm like addicted to the taste, but I also swear I notice a difference in my skin. And I it also just helps me feel good. Like So it's a healthy fat. It has polyphenols in it. Fatty acids aren't the only great thing about olive oil. It also comes with both vitamin E and K, both of which are lipid-soluble antioxidants necessary for beautiful hair and skin. Vitamin E in particular is a vitamin that derms will recommend that you get in your diet in some way or another as that is because vitamin E is super beneficial for fighting free radicals and reducing inflammation. There's been some pretty good research that shows ingesting vitamin E can have an overall beneficial effect on skin quality and even things like hair thickness and hair growth. And someone told me about this when I went to Greece like five years ago and they had like all these bottles of olive oil because they had they lived on an olive farm and they were like, here, drink it. And I was like, drink it. I'm not drinking olive oil. Like, that's so weird. And they're like, no, it's like a beauty hack that all like the Greek people do here. So I was like, "Okay, I'll try it. I'll try anything. So I did. And I've been doing it every single day since. There is a celebrity who I'm thinking of that says they do it and I it's not coming to mind but it's once he said this I was like oh there's someone who's like like famously beautiful and who is like an older celebrity who does this. I know uh, Jilo puts it on her skin. <laughs> yes, I do know that. <laughs> she has a whole line that is apparently yeah. about that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I just wanted to thank you so much for joining us today and taking the time to do this. I had such a fun conversation and I I loved having you on and I, I'm so excited to have you in our MBG world. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. 
Hey everyone, thank you so much for coming by and listening to today's episode. If you liked this episode and you like this podcast in general, don't forget to rate and review us and I will see you next week.